Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. Today we hear from Epic's Executive Vice President and Head of Scripted Programming, Nancy Cotton, as part of C21's Content LA On Demand, about her content strategy for the coming 18 months and how the US premium cable net is positioning itself within a rapidly changing TV environment. C21's Content LA On Demand virtual conference got underway last week, with a series of panel discussions and one-on-one interviews exploring how the US television business is evolving in a period of unprecedented change. From the shift to streaming, the challenges of keeping production going during the pandemic, the Black Lives Matter movement and a shift towards more international focused development, these discussions tackle the gamut of issues and opportunities confronting Hollywood right now and the status of US programming on the global stage. Nancy Cotton, Executive Vice President and Head of Scripted Programming at MGM-owned US premium cable net Epics, spoke to Adam Benzine about her content strategy for the coming 18 months, how the channel's positioning itself within a rapidly changing TV environment, and the opportunities she sees for working with international partners. Epics uh, has exponentially grown the amount of original series that it's been doing in recent years. It's rocketed up from three to 24. And uh, the channel is now ubiquitously available across the United States uh, with full distribution uh, via uh, uh, its OTT app, Epics Now. Uh, Nancy, welcome. Uh, Happy to be here. So fantastic to have you with us. Um, I really want to dive into things, starting off with... um, what some of the key titles have been for you in terms of growing epics and what some of the key titles are that you have coming up. And then from there, we'll talk a little bit about um, what kind of programming you're looking for on the channel and how you like to work with partners, both domestic and internationally. So why don't you start us off with, uh, you know, we just mentioned that leap from three original series to 24. What have been the key titles that have helped sort of trigger that growth? Great. So uh, it was probably a little over three years ago when Michael Wright came in to to help grow the channel. And so we put three shows uh, into production uh, instantly. And uh, one of them was Godfather of Harlem, which we have just uh, launched our second season. And it's been, I would say that's probably been our most signature uh, show to date, uh, it's been you know critically and commercially uh, very successful for us, uh, starring uh, Forrest Whitaker. And, and I think we, you know, we we got a script from Chris Brancato, who is you know obviously a, a very successful showrunner who had just come off of Narcos. We could see the show on the page, and obviously having Forrest Whitaker uh, uh, starring in it uh, was extremely. Producing it as well. And second producing it was very meaningful. He helped uh, attract an, uh, an equally wonderful cast. And, and I think we, we love the idea of doing, it's a gangster show. Everybody's familiar with the genre, but setting it in the civil rights uh, backdrop uh, was a, felt like a really sort of fresh and interesting uh, perspective uh, in the story. And then, Uh, Another one of the shows that we launched initially uh, uh, that we just uh, also aired a second season of is Pennyworth that is in the Batman canon uh, created by Bruno Heller, who also 
you know, has been working, you know, he you know, had uh, Gotham and The Mentalist, but also, you know, did Rome uh, way back when. And he, so he came up with an original origin story for uh, Batman's butler, Alfred, but he, as a young man, a former SAS uh, soldier who uh, grew up in early 60s London. And he also, again, loved this very unexpected uh, story, uh, which has been uh, a lot of fun for us and our, and our viewers. Yes. So as you've built up your original roster, you, you have a whole bunch of things coming up now. Stephen King adaptations. Um, you've got a Western. You've got a horror piece involving the Russo brothers in the works. Very exciting stuff. Let's power through some of the stuff that, that, that you have coming up over the next 12 months. Um, great. So uh, I think we, we also uh, have been talking about that we have, we have done some international co-pros and have found the, the model that people are doing uh, in, um, in England and, um, and uh, the EU has been very interesting. And we've, we've, we've um, acquired a couple of things as a co-pro. We were the second commissioner. And so we kind of looked to that model where we thought that was a really attractive model to us from a business point, but also from a creative point. So we've been trying to home grow materials that we can uh, uh, produce and be the network for. And one of the titles that we initially tried this new model on uh, was based on a Stephen King short story called Jerusalem's Lot. We're now calling the show Chapel Wait based on the um, the haunted house in it. So it's a it's a 19th century uh, uh, set in Maine house uh, about a house that is haunted that <laughs> maybe vampires. And uh, and it's starring Adrian Brody, and uh, so we uh, we shot that this past fall, and it was again we produced it in house, and uh, Sony International is distributing it um, to the rest of the world, and so it's been a really interesting uh, creative model for us, and so we've now uh, we're just about to get into our I guess. Fourth, uh, third and fourth series. We did another series in this model with uh, the filmmaker Ed Burns, and uh, we we really loved, you know, going back to the brothers McMullen, how he did this great coming of age piece that was very inspired by his own life. So this takes a page from that, where it is six kids in 1980 uh, on Long Island. It's called Bridge and Tuttle, so they're they're you know in the shadows of. Of the city. We also shot that uh, this fall, uh, all on Long Island. <laughs> under when foreign... you, when, just briefly, when you say this model, again, relying on this model, this is a model where you take uh, just the American rights? Exactly. Exactly. So we, and we produce it. We've been very, we're very hands-on. We're very lean and mean. And we were the studio and the network. And in this case, uh, MGM is distributing it. Uh, internationally and uh, we did six episodes uh uh this winter and and then we we're now doing two more a western as you mentioned uh that michael hurst uh of all people you know growing up in north uh north england always wanted to do a western and he was fascinated with the story of billy the kid and uh i think his research uncovered that there's just a lot about his story um that 
you know, people know his name, but don't really know his whole story as an, uh, you know, as a son of immigrants uh, and, and, uh, and how he sort of became the myth that he, uh, he came, became uh, Otto Backers uh, will be directing it. We just cast uh, our, our Billy, <laughs> who's also English and uh, which is kind of funny. And we're going to be shooting out this summer and uh, MGM will also be distributing that internationally. And then, as you mentioned, we have another uh, modern day horror piece uh, that the Russo brothers are executive producing along with the Midnight Radio guys. And uh, one of the guys, uh, Jeff Pinkner, who, um, who's been our point person, who also you know executive produced Lost, uh, uh, is also working with his former colleague, Jack Bender, who directed many of the Lost episodes, who's going to be directing almost half of our of our series. And that starts shooting uh, in June. Yes, you're working with big names here. Uh, yes. And I think that um, that is part of, you know, we're trying to have an eclectic slate um, as, a, um, as a premium subscriber-based channel. I think that's partly by design because we want to continue to attract uh, a um, a wide swath of viewers mm-hmm. who are interested in things, and again, because we are still growing, and we only do a half a dozen, and hopefully growing uh, number of shows a year. Every single show is a centerpiece, and so we want to make sure we have the best talent that can be doing the show behind the scenes and in and front of the scenes. And you know, I think for quality and 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 for commercial purposes. Yes. Now, quite a few of those titles that you mentioned, Pennyworth, uh, Billy the Kid, uh, Stephen King adaptation, those are existing IP that bring with them either some sort of name recognition that the audience might have, or they uh, bring with them some sort of base, fan base that's already included in there. How important is it when people come to you for ideas for scripted content that it is based on something that's existing IP? And how much are you looking for purely original from the ground up content? It's always helpful to have that extra something that will help distinguish the project, but sometimes it's just the writer's voice. I mean, we we took a general with uh, a writer a couple of years ago, and we were talking about an idea. We just and she emailed us a paragraph, and we said that's the show. We knew she was the right voice to be telling that story. So it can be as simple as that. We do look at a lot of uh, scripts. So sometimes I think it's just realizing it's the right marriage of the the voice with the material. And uh, I think we we may have uh, spoken about this, that we are, we're open to all genres and we're just trying to find that unexpected, fresh way fresh way in. Yes. And with that financing model that we talked about, um, I would imagine that that is very attractive to a lot of European partners who are looking to put shows together, especially as nowadays you have so many streaming giants that are coming in and they want to have all rights, all territories, perpetuity. You know, that's the preferred Netflix, Amazon, Disney Plus model. It's really not sharing it with other networks. It's just taking everything. So you know, with that ubiquity, the number of U.S. channels that actually you can work with for drama co-production 
it becomes a little bit smaller. And I would think it's it's very attractive that you that you're able to say we just want to take American rights here, but you you do want to have very much a voice in the production. Is that right? Uh, yes. I mean, there are a couple of circumstances where we're the secondary uh, commissioner, and I think a lot of the people who who uh, attend this event are people that I talk with uh, regularly about that. Where there's a where there's some shows that we are incubating that they will uh, take on, and then there are shows that they incubate, and then we will be creatively involved, but we won't be the the lead studio. Uh, as it were, but we're finding has that, that tended it, to be has that tended to be the BBC, Canal Plus. We've done it, yeah. Uh, we well, we have uh, War of the Worlds with uh, Studios Canal and uh, an Urban Myth that we came on. Uh, we came on fairly late in the process of season one, and then we are involved in in, uh, in season two. But again, we are we're the secondary commissioner. We also. Uh, uh, we're the secondary uh, commissioner on uh, on um, Belgravia, the Julian Fellow show with with ITV, and we also acquired um, Britannia from Sky, and so we've uh, we've been we've been airing that. The first season had had aired on Amazon, but the second season had never aired in in the U.S. And now we're we also have a third season, so so it's been fun to be that too. Do you prefer people to come to you first? if they don't have other funding in place? Or is it actually more helpful if they come to you and say, you know, we already have a deal in principle with France and Germany, and now we're looking for an American network who can bring in the 60%? Honestly, it really, it just, it depends. <laughs> so we, we've done, we've done everything, you know, in, in, uh, in all configurations, again, from, uh, from the seed of an idea to, it's already shot. So, yeah. and we look at, we've, we've bought some spec scripts. Uh, we definitely buy pitches. And as you say, you know, many of them have something that has a, some name recognition, whether it's the IP or the piece of talent or, or something, uh, you know, additional. We'll give it that little push. We'll give it that little extra standout. Right. Yeah. But, but again, we are, you know, we are, we still are wide, wide open. There's another piece that we're, we're circling and it's just a world that we're really fascinated by. We know it's going to be attracting some great talent that we're also doing that with um, an international uh, uh, network. Now that the, what are you looking for question is always a difficult one because it's a very big and vague one. But um, when we talked before, you mentioned to me that um, there's this concept of familiar surprises that the audience liked. I really, I really like that phrase. And eclectic, eclectic is a word that you keep coming back to again. So how could you best guide producers towards the kind of things they should bring to you? Right. And then, I, yes, I, I, I mentioned the familiar surprises, which was a quote uh, uh, by uh, Derek Thompson, the, the, the journalist uh, from The Atlantic that uh, Michael Wright loves to reference. But I think for us, when I say we're eclectic because we are open to so many genres, we, as you can hear, we definitely do quite a bit of period, but we also do uh, do contemporary. Our, our goal really is to have 50-50 male-female viewership. And I think if there's a thread, particularly as a 
premium um, channel, we want things to feel cinematic and sophisticated. You know, sometimes we joke and call ourselves sophisticated popcorn because it, you know, it has to be entertaining. Um, and you know, we, we want it to be welcoming, but, but again, we feel like it is very, um, authored in a, in a sense. So, but, but we still want to leave our, our doors open. And even though, you know, yes, we're developing something in the sci-fi space now, and we have a big Shakespearean family drama, but with a uh, female protagonist, we're circling a romantic comedy right now. Um, we don't do a ton of, we're very targeted in our development. Um, so the good and bad is we, and I think a lot of uh, the, the sellers know this, when they talk to us, we don't buy a lot, but when we do buy, we um, we have a two or three to one ratio of what we buy to, you know, what we put on the air. So we like to feel that we have a, you know, a, a, a clear path. We are very passionate about the things that we take on and, you know, hopefully, you know, can find a way to get them on the air. Yes. It, is there one thing that you're particularly looking to round out that slate now? You mentioned you've got horror, you've got period, you've got rom-com. Is there a certain thing, especially when you're talking about that male-female mix that you want to have, that you think, God, if I if in 2021 I could just lock down a, <laughs> you know, wh- whatever that is, sci-fi, horror? Yeah, so we've, you know, we we still are talking about finding our, our broad church, you know, we would love to find that that more domestic or the fall, uh, you know, complex uh, murder mystery. I, I, we're also doing, you know, a international spy thriller. I think you know, loved the Night Manager mm. model. Talked about doing a big, sweeping, so rom- romantic adventure that could be period. We just haven't quite figured out what that what that piece is so and then again i there are all sorts of wonderful things that that come through our our doors so we you know we really do tell people not to not to edit and to bring us things that they're you know really passionate about what are you not looking for what is something that people pitch you and you're like it's really not what we do we we really don't do you know procedural um that's you know more in that broadcast there. It's not to say that we wouldn't do a, a cop show, but it would be much more character-based and serialized. Um, I think also it's probably harder for us to do weekly anthological. We get some really interesting pieces submitted, but I think that's a little harder for us because, again, when we do a half a dozen-ish shows a year, you know, we really you you want to make sure you're able to promote the whole, the whole body of it. It's a little harder when it's, you know, a weekly, you know, changing, you're having to bring a new audience in every week. Yes. A little hard. And we mentioned before, you know, I, I mentioned before the, the U S landscape now with these giant streaming platforms, how, how does, how, how do you navigate that? How do you negotiate that when increasingly, I mean, we, we, we saw, you know, apropos to nothing, we saw, Netflix pay 450 million for two of the Knives Out movies. So it's increasingly becoming a, a realm of giants. How do you navigate that? I think we just stay in our own lane. And I, I think 
again, because we're so targeted, we, we have, we have more, we already have more things that we have fallen completely in love with and we have slots for the next year and a half. So as much as it's a hugely competitive uh, world, I think we're just trying to create and we, we feel very lucky that we're working with so many talented, interesting voices. So I think we, we focus on that um, almost in a, you know, producerial um, sense. Yeah, we're never going to compete <laughs> with the Netflixes. And there's a, and there are a lot of them right now, those, these big streaming uh, channels. You also mentioned that you, you take things on at every stage, from the scripted stage to filming has already finished. To what degree are you looking for things to be packaged when they come to you? Do you want there to be, if somebody comes to you with a pitch, do you want them to say, we already have our lead guy and our, our lead gal. We already know the director that we want to do it. Are, are you looking for, for pre-packaged project, projects? Pre-packaged we, projects? <laughs> we're, we, um, we're absolutely, it's always enticing when there's a great package, but it, again, it really, it really depends on what, um, on what the piece is. And uh, again, you know, a, a number of things, in fact, you know, I think all of the latest things really came from, uh, from the, the, the Russo brothers for a piece that those were pre-existing scripts, but, you know, Billy the Kid was just a conversation. Uh, Bridge and Tuttle was a conversation uh, with, uh, with Ed Burns and, uh, and, and even, uh, even Chapelweight, the Stephen King piece, uh, the short story was brought to us and we put the writers on it and built it up. And, and you know, it was after we had greenlit it, uh, we went to Adrian Brody. So, so it, it comes in all different, um, in, in different ways. It's, but, and we've passed on a number of things with some huge talent. I think that's the kind of exciting, extraordinary thing about the business right now is there there's so many wonderful people <laughs> we we can't buy it all but but it's was exciting. That when you, you passed was that because it just wasn't the right project or was it because part of the package wasn't right for you mostly because it's it's not the right material because you know we already know what we're you know programming for the next you know year or so so you know does it does it fit or does it feel like it'll be a different enough piece um, for for us at that at that moment. Yes. Okay. Super. Um, is there anything else that you think is really important to flag up to producers or to distributors you would want them to know? I, I think we've covered pretty much uh, everything. You know, we we hope that we are a um, inviting place to uh, to pitch to. Um, I think we also feel that, and this is something else that, that Michael, uh, had said as a buyer, he said, he feels that when people come in and pitch you something, you know, we may give some notes, but that's, we have to know that's the story we're buying. And I think our jobs are to be, you know, as supportive of that vision. And so I think that's been our, our philosophy is that we want to be very, uh, talent friendly. We're because as as I've said, we are so 
lean and mean. There are not a lot of layers in our our company. We do when we buy something, it's script and we'll call it a format uh, to series. So, um, so we we try to streamline the process as as much as possible, and and um, and hopefully be uh, very user friendly to our um, to our writers and and talent. Other talent. Yeah, and that sounds like it allows you to be nimble and quick moving as well. Very much so. Very much so. So so it's fun. We, you know, we, we were a little scrappy. Yeah. Yeah, but that's good. You're flexible. You've got flexibility to move. Yeah. Nancy Cotton from Epics, speaking with Adam Benzine as part of C21's Content LA On Demand, which got underway online last week. Video versions of all the sessions are available on c21media.net if you're a pro subscriber, and there'll be more from the event in the podcast tomorrow. But in the meantime, stay safe and up to date with all the latest international TV industry news and views by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. My name's Jonathan Webdale. Thanks for listening.